Welcome to the You Have a Body podcast. Two broads talking broadly about health. The physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual, and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. All right, so welcome to the You Have a Body podcast. It's another week. Excited to be here. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Lucia Hawley, nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of EssentialOmnivore.com. The other co-host that we typically have, uh, the lovely Hannah, is in Portland, Oregon right now. She's on a vacation and hopefully taking it easy and having fun out there. So with me today, I have the extra lovely Amy Gauthier. She is the owner of A is for Appetite, a beautiful food blog. Um, And Amy is an art director, graphic designer, and creative thinker in the Twin Cities. She also has struggled with and battled asthma and allergy throughout her life and then was diagnosed with celiac disease in her early 20s. So the food blog is amazing because it's completely gluten-free, right? You can Mm -hmm. say hi now. Hi. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) So, um, Amy, we would love to hear, we can talk about all things food. I feel like we have a lot to be chatting about. Yes. Um, But we'd love to hear, maybe we could start with part of your journey. Mm -hmm. Um, So asthma, allergies. Yep things we're not feeling so great yeah so it's been a um a really a lifelong battle um I when I was super little I had really really bad asthma um as a baby and my parents tell me still stories of how like terrifying it was I was in the hospital off and on Mm -hmm. um and then from there uh the magic of modern medicine was going through a lot of cycles of prednisone and antibiotics um and I was sick off and on really kind of my whole childhood um I would just I had really bad spring allergies and it was just one of those things where it was like I was like the cool kid who like had to carry her inhaler everywhere and like (laughs) (laughs) um and then in my late teens I guess I got mono and then it was wasn't really until my late teens and early 20s that I started having just like really weird symptoms of um, stomach pain and I was still having asthma issues. I got pneumonia really bad the year after I graduated Um, and I just was noticing weird things that I just kind of felt like I had the flu all the time Mm. and I thought you know I was in college at the time so I thought it was a combination of being stressed out and also probably not eating as healthfully as one does in college. Yeah right. And then after I graduated college was kind of when it started to really go downhill. Um, And again, I I am very, very guilty of doing this thing where you um, cover everything up and you pretend everything's okay. Right. I don't know if it's like a Midwestern thing. (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like it's very Midwestern, Minnesotan, just like stoic. Yep. You're fine. I'll take care of myself. And also, you know, as a young, like... 20 something I just it was there was a lot of embarrassment and shame around that Mm. um when you're learning to kind of love your body as a woman at that age and then it's just it sort of continuously um acts like a petulant teenager (laughs) and like doesn't do what you want it to like there's kind of that um, shame cycle that happens so anyways um I was living in San Francisco at the time 
after I had graduated, or I guess I should backtrack and say I got really bad pneumonia and was um, in the ER and on another round of prednisone. And um, during that time, um, my mom actually suggested that I go see a nutritionist. Um, and so I went and saw her and she made, you know, a few suggestions and I started sort of noticing um, really kind of that was the turning point of me starting to notice how food affected my body sure. and how amazing it was when I, you know, she, I was scaling back on sugar and she was just having me eat more balanced meals and just that little tweak. I was like, oh, like there was like that first little spark yeah. um, that happened and then um, I was in San Francisco, living in San Francisco, and started noticing, again, things were just not well or not right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like everything kind of made me sick. And I was, you know, at the time I was um, working full time, but then I was so exhausted that I would typically come home and on the weekends just like sit in front of the tv and like not be able to have really any energy to to live outside right. of my job um so that it happened and which then, is tough yeah for, it's like hard. a 20 something yeah, year old in a new city yeah. um and again I kind of continued to just cover it up because mm. that's cool <laughs> real cool thing to do yeah and the tipping point was I um fell down mm. a couple weeks before I was supposed to move back from San Francisco and broke my leg and I came back and they um through the doctor's office they you know took an x-ray and took a DEXA scan and basically told me that like they're like yeah you have um you have this thing called osteopenia where Mm. your bones are just they're not they haven't grown you know they're you can speak probably more to the medical side of it um and through that um I, so I went back to, it was just a lot of doctor visits, trying to figure that out, and um, through that, I started to really kind of become my own health advocate, because yeah. I had been, my nutritionist had suggested I get tested for celiac um, when I had initially saw her, yeah. and my primary care doctor, when I told her that, was very, was just like, oh, you don't have, like, she kind of just, like, blew it off. Just dismissive. And I was just like, this is not, like, something is not right here. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing my own research, and again, my mom was really supportive through this whole time, and uh, found a really great doctor who I still continue to see, who mm. was much more open to uh, more holistic practices and yeah. kind of rooted in Eastern medicine and Chinese medicine. And um, she, we went through it was a lot of another year of a lot of tests and blood tests and still feeling really out of whack until Mm. I finally finally figured it out but then I was diagnosed with celiac um, and sort of from there once I had that kind of diagnosis and um, was seeing this doctor it was just like the pieces started to fall back into place of you know I I, um, through and then through my own research too was just able to yeah um, restore my health and Aside of that, sorry, this is the most long-winded story No, it's perfect. This is what we (laughs) want. Um, Through this whole thing, too, I think one of the whole devastating things was was I grew up in a family who loved to cook. Mm. And it was just, my mom's a big baker. Um, My dad, like, you know, had the pancake and egg on Saturday morning and had his own thing. And it was always a really kind of special way that um, we bonded as a family and I love to cook. Yeah. And so it was um, 
really sad when I was initially told, you know, I couldn't eat the things that I was could normally eat. Yeah. Um, and so I was actually diagnosed with celiac also like a week before the Minnesota State Fair started. <laughs> and the I was like, worst time. this is terrible. <laughs> I can't eat anything there. But did, it was fine. Did, but, you, did you go? Uh, or did you no, I didn't go. You didn't go. I was yeah. too bitter. Yeah. Which is okay. <laughs> um, and can, yeah. You, can you tell people too, um, just for anyone yeah. who's listening who doesn't know, what is celiac disease? Oh, sure. Um, so it's an autoimmune disorder where basically um, you're allergic to gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your body sees it as an enemy. And um, so whenever there's gluten in your system, your body just kind of attacks, starts to attack itself and things go a little bit haywire. And I, you please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, and so it, it just, um, yeah. And uh, you know, my symptoms at the time were obviously digestive. Um, the reason why I was having so many bone issues was because basically I had been malabsorbing nutrients my whole life. Right. Um, because the gluten was just, had wrecked my insides. But then also um, I was getting a lot of like weird, like, like joint achy, kind of more like flu-like symptoms, which um, is pretty common with autoimmune disorders too, of just, you you kind of have a flare where things get inflamed and then it's just like everything kind of compounds. So. Yeah, 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 there's that systemic yeah. inflammation which mm-hmm. makes um, everything really not very fun. Yeah, <laughs> yep. trying to get through life. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've kind of learned too, it's like with the inflammation thing, like everything compounds. So it's just mm. like, getting rid of that and getting sort of back to a base inflammatory state was it took a lot of work but now it's everything's pretty calm pretty chill and would you say so after you finally got the diagnosis of celiac Mm -hmm. how long would you say it took to feel like your body kind of came back to that more baseline level of inflammation to be honest really only i mean it was that was like what 2011 it really wasn't until about 2014 2015 it took a while um I yeah and there were a lot of sort of side issues I think that once your body like I was at a really low body weight like not healthy for my height and um so because of that too and just all of the health things you know it sort of threw everything out of whack like my hormones were out of whack my Mm -hmm. thyroid was out of whack it was just like everything was kind of misfiring yeah. and was just like, we don't know what, you know, we don't know what to do. That was my body talking to my body. Yeah. That was what I meant <laughs> What's to going say. on, body? <laughs> WTF. Come on. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it took a long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a, a period where I had to do like a really strict elimination diet just because... Again, I think it was my inte- like intestinal permeability mm. stuff issues where like literally I would eat anything and I would just break out in hives or, you know, there was just some kind of weird reactions that continued to happen after that. Right. Um, but I was really, really lucky to find a doctor who always did like holistic things first. Like she was a huge component. I, I did acupuncture weekly mm. for a really long time. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I also had to go on a natural thyroid medication for sure. a while. So there was the, that balance of, yeah. um, but then just really, it was kind of at the point too, where I was like, I am really going to dive into this nutrition thing. Cause that was where I was seeing the most kind of instantaneous results. And I also think too, 
it was really a way um, because I love to cook it became this kind of magical way for me to feel good about my body yeah um, because when you're going through all that stuff you don't feel you know you it's just like you don't trust your body and you it's all of the stupid confidence issues that women go through I yeah. think too manifested times 10 right um, right when yeah. you're not feeling that like connection with your body or your yeah. body's you know f- having these big inflammatory reactions you're like come on be, be my buddy yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're trying to work together yeah, right stop being a jerk <laughs> yeah just trying to live my life yeah yep. come on yeah so that's pretty incredible because kind of coming from that history of feeling like oh my gosh food doesn't make sense to my body or I'm mm-hmm. having these reactions and maybe initially not even knowing that food was contributing mm-hmm. to um, those bigger feelings or flares mm-hmm. that you were experiencing to then coming to now where you're in the kitchen making gorgeous food oh, that yeah, yeah everyone should go check out Amy's blog I'll link it in the show notes you are a fan of colors and of bold colors I and love color <laughs> yep and all of your photos are just like they're like lush and just bright and gorgeous thank you yeah especially yeah. for coming into winter I'm like all right yeah. this is exciting warm beautiful <laughs> food um but there's obviously been a big change with mm-hmm. that relationship with food. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like there's been kind of trial and error to get used to food? Yeah. Or what was that experience like? Yeah, um, definitely trial and error. Um, and I think, too, just so there were, I mentioned, like, for a while I had to do a pretty strict elimination kind of, like, AIP autoimmune protocol where I was, I had eliminated a lot of foods. Um I think the it was funny too the entire time I really love to bake mm-hmm. and so um, it like I think now like looking back on my initial kind of like gluten free baking experiments were <laughs> such hot messes <laughs> really and I also like I would just bring in um, to my office like treats that I had made because I would just like make like a huge batch of muffins or something the weekend because it was super fun to play around with yeah. like it almost in a way. So once I went through that elimination, I should backtrack. I went through a pretty strict elimination diet for about a year. Um, I hate calling it a diet. It was just like a lifestyle way to eat just because that was what my body needed at the time. And then I, so, um, you know, it was kind of paleo plus ish. I wasn't eating a lot of grains, obviously no dairy. And now I've been working back in more like grains and, um, I do dairy every once in a while. Um, I think that, like, the kind of overarching thing I've learned all along is that, like, your body is very fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, one, there can be a month where I, I also, like, I have a hard time with food labeling. Like, I just don't think, I think it's weird. Like, I'm paleo, (laughs) because even that's kind of the way I eat, like, I'm not going to, like, not eat something because it's you know what I mean yeah it doesn't Um, fit under that umbrella that even the google search when you look up what's paleo yeah yeah um I think the huge thing all along is just like so once I stopped telling my body it was a jerk was Mm. like learning that your body like talks to you and that's gonna sound I sound like a wacko no like it totally does and and um kind of crossing that barrier of like looking at your body as like the enemy and like you have to just like suppress it or combat it constantly is like your body will tell you what it needs Mm -hmm. um and I've been really kind of trying to 
hone in on that. Um, you know, during certain times of the month, I crave different things. And like, if there's a week where I'm like, I really need like a cheeseburger or like some red meat in my yeah. life, kind of listening to that. So, um, I don't know. I don't really think that answered your question, but, <laughs> but I think that's so, yeah. that's so yeah. cool though, because that is, um, I agree where I think, you know, initially, especially if someone's coming from like a health challenge, it can be really useful to just like adhere to that label or mm-hmm. term be like, I'm paleo or I'm, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. just to have that structure to like make sense of your world or your new yeah. world. And then from there, it's amazing. I think it can be tough for a lot of people to feel like they can kind of start to dabble in more of that gray area mm-hmm. and be like, all right, well, dairy isn't paleo, but yeah. I had some at my aunt's house and I felt okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Or after they get to that level, what I've been noticing a lot um, this past season because of fall allergies is noticing just what you were saying, that throughout the year throughout the seasons our bodies are going to have different needs Mm -hmm. so with the fall allergies I was noticing for myself too that something like coffee which I shouldn't really drink my body doesn't feel super great drinking it but it tastes so darn good (laughs) that during the fall with those um kind of like the peak allergen season coffee felt really bad Mm -hmm. in the middle of the winter coffee felt okay Mm -hmm. but it can be so tough yet liberating at the same time it's kind of those two sides of of a coin Mm -hmm. to recognize all right there's going to be like interplay Mm -hmm. with food so that's huge that you're Mm -hmm. noticing that and I think too just I also because of all the stuff that I went through there was definitely a period of time where I had this it was like you almost have a fear of food Mm. because it was just like everything I eat is making me sick like what you know and and I think that that then kind of spirals into very easily um, just disordered eating patterns. And I think that happens for a lot of women, mm-hmm. not, I should say, women and men, too, of just, or, like, if you start, you like, adapt, like, a very strict diet, and then it's just, like, that's all you eat, and there's mm-hmm. kind of that, like, I think there's, like, I think a fear around that, and um, so I never want to, my kind of thing now is I just, I never want to feel like I have to like deny myself of anything yeah um because I had to for so long too and also and it just it's just in my head and from my personal experience it doesn't work for me that way um so yeah so I'm gonna eat dairy-free ice cream if I want to and like (laughs) hell yeah yeah (laughs) it's delicious yeah or too like uh, there's a weird period this summer well I really love chickpeas Uh and but it was literally like a two-week period where I was like I just need to eat all the chickpeas all the time. And I was like, what? What is going on? And then I think, I mean, I honestly think my body was just like, there was some magnesium or I don't know what it was in there yeah. where it needed that yeah. at that time. And I was like, okay. And yeah. it's also like really good. It's kind of like like trusting your cravings mm-hmm. too. Again, coming from that background of having to be so low and slow with introducing food mm-hmm. and getting more of those clear signals from your body after mm-hmm. setting that precedent and then being like, yes. yeah, chickpeas, great. Yes. <laughs> Bring it. Yes. Obviously, these need to be coming in for a reason. Yeah. Okay, body, I'll listen to you. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite chickpea recipe or way to prepare well, uh, them? Um, I mean, I was just making, so I have a uh, pressure cooker mm-hmm. that was actually gifted to me. Um, by some friends. Thanks, Ben and Kelly. That was awesome. <laughs> they uh, so I just make I buy the dried ones and I just make like a huge bass of really thick hummus mm. and 
with just I, I also love tahini like I love sesame I love those like Mediterranean flavors yeah. so yeah I was making a huge batch of hummus and then um eating it almost as you would like a like a mashed potato base you know what I mean where yeah. it's like a huge dollop on a plate with like a bunch of roasted veggies on top and then some like sprinkle on some sesame seeds or extra tahini um I love like making crunchy chickpeas and putting them on salads yes. like you would like croutons yeah yeah they're really great and like uh I made a big batch of curry paste mm. earlier in the summer that I froze off in portions mm. and then like just making a big batch of veggie curry and throwing in a can of chickpeas at the end is also really good oh my gosh yeah. that curry tip everyone that was amazing pro tip <laughs> pro tip yeah. right there <laughs> use your freezer use your freezer yep. freezer is your friend mm-hmm. I always tell people freezer is like your stockpile it's it like is. when you come home after a long day and the last thing you want to do even if you love the kitchen but the last thing you want to do is do one more thing mm-hmm. stock up that freezer and then there'll be something right in there from your you in the past <laughs> and you'll pat yourself on the back like thank you so much me thanks me in the past <laughs> I'm a weird like I also am kind of weird about food waste mm-hmm. like I feel very guilty and so I have like my freezer looks disgusting because I have like <laughs> old plastic bags of if there's like a vet like if I at the farmer's market this summer if I bought like a bunch of extra zucchini or something I'll like have like the ones in my fridge that have gotten a little like soft or weird but like they're Mm -hmm. still edible but not like super appetizing but if you chop those up or like kale stems shard stems like any kind of part of a vegetable that is still edible but maybe not super appetizing right i chop them up really fine and throw them in plastic bags or a tupperware and then you just like put a handful in smoothies oh it's like a backstash of like vegetable (laughs) scrap but like that stuff is still good for you it's just it's not super glamorous. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, especially if you're, it's, if it's in like a smoothie or some sort of blended drink. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time it can be like the texture too, right? Like oh, a yeah. big thick kale stem or a zucchini yeah. top. Mm-hmm. Someone might not want to be chewing it per se. Yeah. Great. Blend it up. Yeah. <laughs> Add a banana. Add a banana. Yeah. So when you're in the kitchen then, or these days, mm-hmm. what do you what do you find inspiring, or what kind of helps you create new recipes or ideas? Oh, God, like everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love my farmer's market. So I live in northeast Minneapolis, mm. and the northeast farmer's market is awesome. It's very small, but just like – so my kind of weekly ritual is I walk up there with my dog and then look and see what's good. Like yeah. I love I, – I kind of – and I know a lot of people aren't this way, but I like the challenge of like – okay, look at what you have and yeah. then kind of build a meal out of that right. and just sort of wing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's – I usually go and I'm like, oh, and like this, you know, the tomatoes look good this week or whatever, and then I usually get overeager and like buy too many things. <laughs> but that is always just really inspiring to me. Um, yeah, I try and cook as seasonally as possible just because I. it's also weird. Like your body craves – like it's weird how like the first cold day this year I was just like – I want like beef stew and right. root vegetables. Like it, <laughs> the it's just, like you want like the cozy food. Um, and then I don't know. I'm I look at like a ton of different cookbooks and food blogs too, um, which is like a little bit overloaded. <laughs> I feel like I I don't follow recipes. I usually just like 
read cookbooks like almost as research to have an understanding of what flavors go together and stuff like that. Kind of get like your file index in your brain. Yeah. And then once you're in the kitchen and you have the three vegetables and the spices, you make it happen. Yeah. What would be your top three food blogs that you feel like you reference? Oh. Um. I know it's tough. (laughs) I, well, Green Kitchen Stories, they're beautiful. It's a couple. I think they're Swedish. I'm forgetting where they're from, but, um. It's all, like, plant-based. So they are great. Um, I found My New Roots was one of the first that I found, and I love her. She's amazing. Um, I just think she has, like, a really great, like, balanced perspective on eating. And then um, Stephanie Meyer, who's local, Fresh Tart. Um, Yeah, I'm such a fangirl of her, and she's (laughs) wonderful and sweet and kind and amazing. And um, I think... When I, f- I, I remember, like, when I first found her blog, too, um, even, like, when I was first diagnosed with celiac, there wasn't a ton out there, mm-hmm. um, and I think there was still that sort of weird stigma around, like, healthy eating isn't cool, or, like, it isn't, like, glamorous or fashionable. Right. Um, and, and Stephanie, like, makes it really, she makes healthy eating look beautiful and, like, fashionable and sort of not just not like crunchy granola and I think that that's kind of important too and I'm you're seeing a movement in that now finally people are recognizing that like vegetables are way more interesting to eat than pizza (laughs) and you know and there's so much more you can do with them as far as like versatility of flavor and playing around with that is exciting to me yeah you gotta you gotta have the foods I feel like the healing or the nourishing foods at some point have got to become compelling yeah otherwise i think it also kind of goes back to if these healthier and i put in air quotes amy can see them um (laughs) she's air quoting i'm air quoting right now the the healthier foods if if they're just being eaten because oh they have nutrients or they're good Mm -hmm. for me or you know what have you i think that keeps people in a diet mentality instead of having food just be like beautiful and Mm -hmm. nourishing and something that you want to be gravitating towards Mm -hmm. making the time to go to a farmer's market to walk around to see what kind of grabs your attention Mm -hmm. that makes it even on that more holistic level I think more compelling oh for sure yeah um yeah and I I mean that's why I take photos of food like I I think that there's that uh, the whole thing of you eat with your eyes is so true Mm. um and it's just like a fun way for me to play around creativity create with my creativity yeah. creatively is not a word <laughs> cool Amy um and I also when I first started posting photos of food too I think that one of the really kind of special things was I was kind of blown away with how much people liked it mm. like it was sort of this funny you know like when Instagram first was a baby app and wasn't as popular as it was now um and I think that there's just that mentality of like if I can make healthy food look really beautiful and really appealing like maybe it will reach somebody who's wanting to get more into healthy eating and and yeah that's always kind of been my goal of I don't want to make healthy eating seem like drab like I want it to feel like exciting and and fun and really 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 playful too because I think 
also like it can get very um people you know you feel like you have to follow a recipe or it can get very like rigid really easily and I've I've always kind of just been like yeah like go with it like even (laughs) I shouldn't say this but like even the recipes that I post like I feel like a lot of the times I'll be like oh like add a handful of this or something like that like I think it's important to encourage people um to be okay with playing around with the kitchen because I think that's kind of where like the magic happens and also where like the empowerment comes too of like I just made this thing without a recipe because like I have this knowledge stored of like you know what flavors work together like how to like braise or something I think it's really it's a really empowering feeling I think to accomplish that yeah and then it gets you back in the kitchen again later on you're like I did that before yeah I can do it again yeah (laughs) um how about I'm just blown away. Again, everyone needs to look at your blog and look at the actual photos that you're taking because the composition from a visual aspect is just gorgeous. And the colors, interplay, just everything. So tell us a little bit about maybe if there's, I don't know if there's something to it, but what Mm -hmm. it's like when you're setting up or composing those photos. Um, Yeah, so, well, the blog is a work in progress. I don't have a recipe index. I should just like preface that. But, uh, you don't even need one. You yeah, got recipes. People can scroll. Um, yeah. <laughs> I only have so many hours in the day. Yeah. But I, I, I think that it's funny. So I have a, a background in graphic design, and I'm currently an art director. And um, it was always like it, it kind of was just a lot of experimentation of playing around. But I loved – I love, like, when – food becomes pattern like I really love like that kind of concept of pattern um so I think a lot of my photography it's making it feel really like graphic and punchy and kind of yeah like bringing in this concept of pattern with food um as far as my process goes I don't really have a pro I mean like so I have uh it's a weird question yeah no yeah I mean I um and I'm very like also I should shout out to all the photographers out there like I'm not a technical photographer so like all of the technical photographers who can master that props to you yeah I still half the time like have to look up online like f-stop or just like the you know the nitty-gritty stuff yeah uh but I basically I have a wonderful apartment that's full of light and I follow around like what areas of my apartment get certain light throughout the day as the seasons change and then I have a really cool like plastic drawer dresser (laughs) thing that I just like drag around and I put a sweep on it and shoot it yeah cool so that's um yep that's that's what I do and then I don't know yeah I love sprinkles like um (laughs) garnishes are, are always really fun yeah and I think to sort of a side of that is um it's funny that I like so I like make these really beautiful plates and I've been doing recently where like I'll like plate something and it looks really pretty but then it's funny to take the after photo because and it's like once I like dive so like I did that this week like I made this soup and then I had like arranged these amazing potato chips on the side and some hemp seeds <laughs> but then it was like when I went to actually eat it I was like dumped like a huge spoonful of tahini on top and some nutritional yeast and so it was just like funny like the before and after of like 
yes, like I can make this really beautiful photo, but this is actually kind of like what it ends up looking like when I yeah. actually come to eat it. Right. Um, but there is something to, um, I've really noticed like when I plate my food and this is super nerdy cause I live alone, yeah. like sad, this is like, <laughs> this is my life. Um, cool. So I like, but like when you plate your food and like make it look beautiful, um, and just like take that extra time to really like compose it on a plate I think it like sets up um it kind of like sets up the whole mood of the meal mm. I know I think that I got really into for a while just like the concept of like mindful eating yeah. and you know I, when you're having digestive issues too like it's really important to chew your food and to eat slowly and stuff like that and yeah. just kind of like setting up that like moment where you're like okay like I'm grateful for this plate and you sit down and you can actually eat it versus like I'm totally guilty too again because I live alone but just like eating it in front of like Netflix or something where you're like not you're like eating but you're not really like focusing on the food and Mm -hmm. that can really easily lead to digestive upset because you're not your brain isn't like computing what you're taking in and it also kind of ruins the experience of all of the flavors too so right um yeah it's something I mean I'm not perfect because I definitely <laughs> like I'll be on Instagram while I'm eating but yeah just trying to kind of have that like set that expectation at the beginning of a meal I think is kind of a cool ritual yeah for me. kind of bringing in yeah. that balance yeah I think that's so neat and that's something that Hannah and I have spoken a lot about on the podcast before and like anyone who's taken my group classes they hear it a million times and they probably get really sick of it but really what you're talking about is getting your body into that parasympathetic rest and digest mode Mm -hmm. where you're being more present with the food you're allowing yourself to taste it to chew it which from like a mechanical standpoint you're actually breaking down your food more so that by the time it gets to your stomach and then small intestine our bodies actually have that leg up to be able to really use those likely smaller food particles instead of potentially having them be that much more irritating if they're just like okay one chew two chew Swallow, great. Down the hatch. Yeah, down the hatch. Got to get the next uh, housewives on, right? Yeah. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. And it can be, I think, one of those things that is, can feel subtle when you just, like, talk about it or you, like, read about it or someone's just referencing, okay, parasympathetic versus sympathetic mode. Mm -hmm. But until you experience it and then you're like, oh, (laughs) that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And, um, too, I mean, it helps you just cue into your like level of fullness too I think which again leads back to the whole intuitive eating thing um you know I think a lot of people are are scared of overeating there's that like thing of like we you know like if you're I'm I'm not this way but like if you're watching your weight or something like you don't want to overeat and like but like you really should just eat until you're full mm-hmm. and like I mean not all the time obviously but it, it, it has helped that for me too of yeah. just like being able to tune into that right yeah and again kind of having your your body be your friend instead yes. of foe be like I yep. trust you to tell me yeah. when we're full yeah versus like just gotta get it in now yeah. yeah um since you do have a diagnosis of celiac mm-hmm. and you have to be very very mindful of not having any interaction with gluten mm-hmm. Um, because of how it is affects your body. What is it like eating out at restaurants or when you're not eating at home? Um, it's actually, when I first was diagnosed, it was, it's really amazing how I've noticed a shift in the last few years of how it's 
pretty easy. I mean, I won't say it's super, you know, super easy, but when I first was diagnosed, it was a lot more challenging. Um, I think there was still that stigma of, you know, I would go somewhere and I'd be like, I'm gluten free. And they would look at me and be like, skinny white girl, like, you <laughs> know, you. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of laugh it off as it was, it was seen as like a fad and a diet right. and um, not a real like serious issue. And I had um, a couple bad learning moments mm. of just like going somewhere where the waitress or waiter was like really, really flippant and like didn't, you know, I would tell them that. And then there was an issue where I got really sick from like a cross-contaminated fryer and Mm. so I really learned um one like not to be embarrassed because I think that was the thing too is again it's like I'm you know I'm that thing of not wanting to be like I'm kind of a pushover is like I don't want to draw attention to myself so I'm just gonna be like really nice but just asking more questions of the server if you feel like they're not fully understanding like what gluten-free is Mm. um but I've noticed, yeah, the last couple years, it's been really great. I mean, there's restaurants now here that are almost entirely gluten-free that I love. (laughs) Um, And even just going to, going somewhere and having the server be knowledgeable enough to, like, know that, oh, like, we're going to check if there's soy sauce in in the sauce. And, like, knowing, you know, beyond just, there's no bread in it, so it must be (laughs) gluten-free is, like, really, really wonderful. Um, So it's pretty easy now. I think it just... Because you can always, you can always eat meat, meat and vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and most places will have something yeah. that's similar. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's I feel like yeah. that's kind of the thing too. Is just when you're making that shift to more fresh, mm-hmm. kind of wholesome foods. Yeah. A lot of times those are naturally going to be gluten free. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's easy. not even the worry about no. like, oh my gosh, the breading or this and that. Yeah. What are what are some of those local restaurants for our local listeners? <laughs> um God, there are so many. I mean, I love Brasa. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Their green sauce is like the best thing. Uh-huh. Um Yuka and green sauce? Yeah. Not, Ola Arepa is great. I go, you know, I love um there's another little place called Cafe Racer. Mm that I love and then like Birchwood is awesome obviously um I don't know I'm trying to think of what else French Meadow is like a standard <laughs> um even like I used to live in the North Loop and going to Bachelor Farmer I remember like the first when they first opened going there and like they have the best service mm-hmm. and just they were like one of the first fine dining places that I went to where I told the server I had a food allergy and they were like, we can make that work for you. Like we have flaxseed crackers for our, you know, like they were so like nice and knowledgeable about it. Um, which really like shout out to them and their, their servers because that's really wonderful. And it just, it means a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. to feel like you're being cared for. And again, like you're not being dismissed as just, yeah. Yeah. And, like, way to make a repeat customer, too. Like, you make someone who has a dietary consideration feel, like, comfortable in your Mm -hmm. restaurant, they're going to come back. Oh, yeah. They're going to tell tell all their people about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. They're going to. Yeah. Um, Well, cool. That's, I think, for me personally, um, I usually stick to those um, more low-key restaurants, Mm -hmm. and I'm a little bit more intimidated by the Mm -hmm. fancier restaurants, so that's really cool to hear. Yeah, I've actually been really pleasantly surprised by the finer dining restaurants. Oh, Spoon and Stable, too. I went there last winter, and 
they were again like we're gonna fix that for you and it was yeah um which is really really refreshing and mm-hmm. pretty awesome yeah so, yeah um i also noticed on the blog and just the food photos that i was uh, perusing through earlier that it seems like and you mentioned this as well that you enjoy kind of the garnishes and adding things on top mm-hmm. um and it seems like some of those garnishes tend to be and I don't love this label, maybe you don't either, but more like super foods yeah. or like really nutrient-dense, yep. different additions. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so um, I am on the superfood train. Yes, and, okay, like, cool. I hate, like, <laughs> I kind of, so I have this, like, love-hate thing because, well, I'm, I got really into adaptogens, too. Um, can you tell people what those yeah, are? Yeah, <laughs> and please, again, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but adaptogens are anything that basically they help your body deal with stress um so it's like an added supplement or a boost so it's something like ashwagandha or maca powder or um reishi mushrooms or great rhodiola is another one um but i started taking ashwagandha and maca daily um it was a couple years ago now and noticed and took it like i just noticed mentally more so Mm. um how much they affected me so and it's like you feel kind of like a fun witch of like you're making (laughs) potion like you you, are you put stuff in things um I yeah I I always have spirulina in my fridge um you can buy it in bulk at the wedge shout out to the wedge yeah um that's again a really nutrient dense I think I like I struggle with because I think the one thing I struggle with using them is like I'm I'm aware that like I'm privileged enough to mm. buy them because they're not the cheapest things. Right. Um so I have that privilege of being able to like incorporate the more kind of expensive um fancy superfoods into your diet, mm-hmm. but um it is really great just I'm always thinking now like nutrient density is so important um and how can you just like it's like a fun game like how can you sneak in more vitamins into your day yeah um just because it makes you feel like a wonderful alive alert (laughs) amazing human um and I think too there's a, a level of I think it is kind of fun to like play around with weird things and introduce people to them um you know as kind of like a it's like a nice to have, not like a must have of like, right. by the way, um, oh, I love bee pollen too. I put mm. on everything. Yeah. But it's actually too, it's just like, part of it is like, it's a, it's a nutrient thing, but it's also so pretty. It's just like, <laughs> you put like your little, your little yellow sprinkles on everything and you're like, this looks amazing yeah. and you feel like a queen and you want to eat it. And um, again, you're eating with your eyes. Yeah. So if you feel that much more compelled mm-hmm. to eat this food that's going to be in that healthy category. Yep great yeah awesome bring it I love nutritional yeast too um I mix that into everything it's really has a b vitamins are really important for me just because I still you know I'm I'm definitely like the healthiest I have ever been really probably my whole life but I still have times I think when you have an autoimmune thing you easily get really run down yeah um and there's still that's that component of like self-care is really important and just being able to kind of watch that and knowing that like you know I can't like stay up until one a couple nights in a row and like feel versus like maybe somebody else my age um and so incorporating those superfoods again I think is really important for me personally because I 
it's it's sort of combating that um, tendency for my body to get depleted a little more easily right. than other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just aside of that, I will say that a lot of our co-ops here, I go to the wedge, but a lot of those like super foodie ingredients they do carry in bulk, which is really nice because yeah. then you can just buy a little bit and it's like 50 cents for, you know, a spoonful and then you can at least like try it and experiment and play around. Yeah, I yeah. think that's an amazing tip, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you don't have to go pay $20 to try some yep. bee pollen. Yeah. You can do a little bit, sprinkle it on one smoothie bowl, maybe, that you're yeah. making at home. Yeah, and see what you think. Yeah. And if you really like it, now mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. What about... I think, so I'm also gluten-free, don't mm-hmm. know if you knew yeah. that, been gluten-free for a similar amount of time, um, and I'm always curious how people navigate socially. So obviously mm-hmm. you have this medical diagnosis mm-hmm. where you very much have to be gluten-free. It's not more of that, oh, I'm just trying it out, I don't know what gluten is, <laughs> which is also fine if people are doing yeah. that too, that's yes. great, yes. bring it. But some people just feel better when they don't eat it. <laughs> totally. So, yeah. So with that... How has it been? Um, and maybe it was different when you were first diagnosed or first kind of doing more of that trial and error, very strict autoimmune mm-hmm. um, elimination diet. But how has it been with family or friends or just kind of your social circles? Yeah, um, I think, again, it, when I first was diagnosed, it was hard. I think it was more difficult because almost because I had a lot of shame around it. Like I was saying there was just that like embarrassment level of like, I want to go to the party and eat pizza, but, like, I don't want to be seen as, like, being, like, a diva or, like, um, so I think it was a struggle, but now it's just, one, all of my friends have been really supportive, um, and so has my, like, my family, um, yeah, my, my mom refuses to bake gluten-free because (laughs) she's very, like, I mean, she's an awesome baker, and so she has her recipes, but, yeah, she'll, she's, always super aware now of you know when she has me over um to make gluten-free stuff um and then as far as like I don't know it's really it's not super uh, super hard I also I love having people over and like I love to cook and Mm. I love to feed people and so it just becomes a fun thing of like if you're going to a party like oh, that means I just get to bring something really amazing and yummy that happens to be gluten-free. So I definitely, if I'm going somewhere where it's like a potluck situation, or I'll bring, I just know that I should bring at least one dish that's Mm. gluten-free. But I feel like now, like, my friends are, like, pretty great about telling me what is and isn't and kind of being mindful of that. So I'm really pretty thankful for that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think it does come back to, again, this cool time that we're in right now where there is just more awareness yeah. of dietary options. Mm-hmm. And um, even for someone who isn't choosing to be gluten-free or dairy-free or soy-free or whatever, being able to speak to that mm-hmm. and really say, oh, yeah, don't eat that, that cheese dip. There's yeah. cheese in it. <laughs> it's yeah. delicious. But if you're dairy-free, yeah. maybe not so much. By the way. By yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. What would you say to someone who is maybe – not feeling their best with their body or they mm-hmm. you, they feel like their body's kind of their foe mm-hmm. maybe what would be in your opinion a first step to start to kind of bring that relationship back yeah. together um I mean I I do I would recommend seeing a nutritionist I think that that really did help me um I think that it's just 
this component too of of patience. Um, you know, your your body's not going to turn around overnight. Yeah. Um, patience coupled with, I think, having an open mind too. You know, I, I've talked to people recently um, who are having to like you know reshift their like like give up drinking or like do you know something different or um and there's just that initial intimidation of like my life's gonna be completely different like you kind of um you I can't say this on air it's a bad word (laughs) you can say it we have the rating (laughs) oh uh so you like clusterfuck so you like you just like are like I can't do this because like it's it's like you get that like it's that buildup of like anxiety and overwhelmness and it's just like starting like okay like tomorrow instead of having a grilled cheese for lunch I'm gonna have like a like one meal a day like I'm gonna like have a salad with Mm -hmm. chicken and stuff like that and just really trying to like take baby steps and take it day by day I think is really important um I think cooking is, I think learning to cook is like one of the most empowering and just like special gifts that you can give to yourself. Um, And it can be as elaborate or as simple as you have time and patience and interest for, you know, I think. um, So yeah, maybe just cooking one meal a week at home, starting there and then kind of building your way up because you're naturally going to eat more healthfully if you're not eating out all the time because that temptation isn't there too right um yeah yeah I don't know yeah I think that's great and um I would even throw in there too just you making me brainstorm now (laughs) even going to like the farmer's market like giving yourself that time Mm -hmm. to walk through and see what stands out to you yeah and again like recognizing that importance like okay this is the tomatoes are standing out to me for some reason yeah I don't know what reason that is probably don't even matter right now but they're standing out so let me see what I can do with them yeah right Mm -hmm. um what about in the winter what do you feel like you tend to do I don't know if you do like a winter CSA or it's just kind of more at the co-op yeah vegetables um it's not as fun in the winter I do (laughs) I do like co-op and grocery store and just again try and like listen to myself and shop seasonally as much as possible but yeah, winters here are hard. <laughs> They're tough. <laughs> I didn't know it. you could do a winter CSA. Some, I yeah, should. some places oh. do. But again, even with that, it's like a lot of onions and yeah. squashes and sometimes some different cruciferous vegetables, yeah. which is fun. But you got to be like ready to rock and roll potentially with a lot of squashes. My brother lives in LA and I was out there. I get so jealous when I go to the farmer's markets <laughs> there because it's like it's not fair you have a growing season that's like year round and just all of the abundance but I feel I should say a lot of creativity comes with um constraints Mm. so I think that that can be a good philosophy to adapt when you live in a colder climate where it's like you have just can eat sweet potatoes all winter but like how many different things can you do with sweet potatoes and onions and you can still build a lot of different flavors out of yeah, yeah, that's really that's really true. Yeah. That actually reminds me that I had a music teacher in high school say that we were in like a composition class and everyone was like, "How do how do you comp-? it was like the first time composing a song for a lot of people." And she was like, "Just pick a scale. Just give yourself yeah. one scale and then within that scale, write a song. Just let it be more structured." 
mm-hmm. because yeah, totally structure will beget creativity totally. when you feel a little bit more uh, locked and loaded in. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it, Jacques Pepin has a really great yes. quote about like how you. I think he was talking about roasting a chicken or something, but how you can like make a recipe, but inevitably like. If, even if you follow the recipe, like it will be different every time. Mm. And I think that that's something that's again so magical about cooking is like like the chicken you buy can be a little bit, you know, smaller or the oven temperature could be a little hotter and the skin could get crispier. You could decide to like throw on paprika on the skin and like start to improv and it's yeah. that kind of that like base of like having something super simple that can be changed up so easily every single time I think is pretty awesome and magical yeah good way to think about cooking <laughs> yeah and just like the chemistry of when you throw something in an oven or in a pot and you're braising like you never really know how mm-hmm. things will react and yeah right right no that is that is the beauty of it and I will say I think that's where it can differ a little bit from baking mm-hmm. baking can be more of that science yep where you you know have specific proportions and amounts mm-hmm. are coming together or even how you're mixing them together mm-hmm. can matter um, maybe more so than with just kind of cooking yeah. and letting yourself experiment and play around. Yeah. Yeah. Like the worst that can happen is it can kind of taste weird. <laughs> and you're probably <laughs> like, still going to eat it. Yeah. But it's like, but you learned. Yeah. 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 yeah, and no one needs to know. You can just, yeah. you know, do that in your kitchen. You don't need to put it on Instagram, or you no. could put it on Instagram. Be I mean, like, yeah, look, yeah. Look what you can still eat, and you can still make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a total fail. Usually, I'm so in that boat of like, if I cook anything, I'm gonna eat it. I also don't like wasting food. Yeah. Um, you know, try to be pretty choosy about the ingredients I'm bringing into my house. So I had it was like three nights ago. I had a pretty bare fridge, and I had these mushrooms that I had to use up. They were, like, from Costco, so I never buy mushrooms, but all of a sudden I had these mushrooms that were, like, just an abundance of them, so I had to cook them up. I had, like, five left. So I started to saute them, and then I was like, oh, I have some um, frozen rice cauliflower that I could toss in here. That's pretty, Ooh, you know, like, basic in flavor. Stir-fry. A little stir-fry. Yeah. Cooked it together, and then the, like, added a little bit of water because the cauliflower was frozen. It was kind of in, like, a big chunk. And it kept on getting worse as we were going. (laughs) If I just stuck to the mushrooms, it would have been okay. Then the cauliflower came in. And then I was like, okay, kind of a stir fry. Um, I'll add in like an egg and I'll stir it up and I'll get, you know, just like egg in a stir fry. It turned into more of a custard by the end, (laughs) like a soupy custard. And the color, I actually thought of you. It's like, there's there's like nothing bold and bright in here. It was all gray. And I was like, this is the meal I'm just not going to eat. Did it taste good? No. Oh. <laughs> it, it was so bland. It was so the mushrooms, like, I don't know. I was, mushrooms are hard. They are yeah. tough. Yeah. I don't cook with them very often, actually, because I'm not, a, like, of all the vegetables in the world, like, I'm not the biggest fan of mushrooms. Sure. And they, like, yeah, they're so watery and, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, usually I'll just do, like, a quick saute, won't salt them, and they yep. get that, like, crisp edge, mm-hmm. and then that works. You guys, don't <laughs> don't put the lid on your pot. I also didn't do this in a saute pan. I did it all in a oh. pot. I don't know what was going I think it was Monday night. Monday night. Well, Monday was a weird, intense day oh, for yeah. many reasons. So yeah. maybe there were no oh. brain cells left. That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you should quit while you're ahead. Yeah, right? Yes. I actually, um, this summer, I discovered a technique. A friend of mine is a fo- like forages for mushrooms and... 
if you start them in a cast iron skillet when they're dry. Mm. So cook them on a dry skillet first, um, and then you add like a little bit of butter or ghee or something after they've kind of fried up. It mm. actually helps them. Um, I don't know the science behind it, but it, it made them a little bit more crispy and, sure. you know, in, in, instead of the tendency of for them to like lose a bunch of water right away and just right. become kind of like rubbery. Yeah. Yeah. Gray <laughs> well, rubber. Gray rubber. Bowl. Maybe that's what I'll do next no. time. No frozen rice cauliflower yeah. to add, a, it just added so much dampness. <laughs> it was a food fail, but a um, already damp day. Hey, all right. Aww. Come on. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the well, show. Thank you. Again, I feel like we could keep on chatting yeah. about food and bodies as friends and foes and all of that. Um, can you tell people where they can find you if they're curious sure. to peep the awesome photos that you're taking? Um, yeah, so my uh, fledgling food blog is a is for Um and then I'm on Instagram as Amy Gautier. My name is kind of hard to spell, but maybe you guys can we got in the show notes yeah yeah we'll get a link yeah and i i I love talking about this stuff so hit me up on the instagram yeah ask me questions (laughs) that's awesome i think that's huge to for people to feel like they can have a resource Mm -hmm. especially for gluten-free kind of navigating the world with that and it means a lot to me to share it with people too so yeah thank you very much (laughs) um and as always a thank you to taj ruler who is our producer um Taj is like, Taj is like the tip that we just learned to dry saute your mushrooms in a pan. She's going to make it work and it's going to be delicious and wonderful. So Taj, thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week on the You Have a Body podcast. The You Have a Body podcast is produced by me, Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit noisepicnic.com for full episode information. Join in on the conversation at facebook.com slash youhaveabodypodcast. Tweet at us at youhaveabody or find us on Instagram at youhaveabodypodcast. Let us know what's going on with you because guess what? You have a body.